0: The Nashville Predators get ready to take on an opponent they probably don't want to face when they're trying to overcome a massive slide to start the season. We're talking, of course, about the Edmonton Oilers, a team that's absolutely dominated Smashville over the past couple of seasons. We'll talk about that game. Plus, does John Hines need to make some changes, not just with his lines, but his philosophy as well? That's a topic coming up on today's Locked on Predators podcast.
1: Your Locked on Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Thank you for making Locked on Predators your first listen of the day, every single day. We are your free Nashville Predators podcast that's available on all platforms and on YouTube. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at ontheforcheck.com and I have a partner in crime.
1: You do. I am Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer and editor at InsideThePreds.com.
0: Well, if you are hoping for a fast turnaround to the Nashville Predators' struggles, Uh, This season, probably not a good game to get back on track. That is because the Nashville Predators take on the Edmonton Oilers. Now, why do we say that? Uh, Because the Nashville Predators have not done very well against the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, The Connor McDavid version, I should specify. Uh, The Oilers have won seven of the last Nine matchups. Preds are two, six, and one in that span. And in the last four games, the Oilers have outscored the Preds 20 to 7. Uh, yeah. so and not exactly oozing confidence about the start of this Western road trip.
1: No, this is definitely not ideal. <laughs> I mean, if you were picking a team where you felt like, okay, Nashville needs to get some confidence and needed to get their skates under them they need to get some momentum going heading into this four or this five game stretch on the Western half of the continent. This is not the game that you would ideally want to start out with because Edmonton has always been in recent years, Edmonton has been such a challenge for the Nashville predators, no matter what weaknesses you think you might be able to exploit with Edmonton, they are always able to exploit Nashville's. And so this is going to be a tough one for the Predators. Now, I will say this. The flip side is, if Nashville can come out tonight and get a win, it will be exponentially beneficial for the team as far as confidence. But it's going to be real hard to get that, I think. Real hard.
0: If you're looking for the uh, the perfect opponent to turn things around, it feels like you would want to go back and uh, to San Jose. And get that start because that's when Nashville (laughs) look like cup champions right there. Uh, Or maybe just go back to Prague. Like maybe that's the secret. Like should the Preds play some home games in in Prague this year? Maybe.
1: I am here for that.
0: I'm here for that. The Prague Predators.
1: (laughs) Look, I'm here for, like, I'm not about relocating the franchise, but if you're throwing Prague in there, like, I'm a little bit more open. Now, the Predators did play well against the St. Louis Blues, but here's the problem. That was, like, one game game. It was like a blip in in a span of struggle. So it's really hard to to feel super, super confident because what the predators have been able to string together are a number of losses due to various issues. So yeah, this is this is a tough game tonight.
0: And we're still in the, I guess, the caveat to start any season, which is the season just started and we have a long road ahead, 70 plus more games to play this season. Uh, So who knows what the season's going to turn around? Like we said, is this just kind of a slide uh, or is this kind of a sign of bigger things that need to happen? I don't think we really know that yet. And we're probably not going to know that probably for another couple of months, you know, until we really get a bigger body of work uh, for the Nashville Predators. Um, That being said, there's definitely some red flags about this team that Mm -hmm. need to be addressed. Um, You know, we talked about the power play has been absolutely abysmal this season. They did not look good at all in their five chances against the Capitals. Um, It's very perplexing because that was one of the strengths of the Preds last season was how good the power play was how good they were on special teams and you look and they did that even when that second power play unit really wasn't stepping up you know they added some more firepower this year it just hasn't looked good and it seems like other than that St. Louis game they really regressed against Washington as well not that same movement not that same spark not that same energy so it it really kind of begs the question and like what do you do Like, what do you do at the start of this road trip to jumpstart this team?
1: See, and this is where it's so tricky because I think the answer would be different a month down the road. We're yeah. still in that murky, like you said, you know, we're still trying to figure out who this team is. And so you have to kind of wrestle with how many adjustments do you make saying what we're doing isn't working? Or how much time do you give things being, you know, nine, ten games into the season to say we need to give this a little bit more time for it to click on something like the power play. I think that it's a little bit more alarming because, like you said, when you look at how it was executed against Washington, it was perimeter movement at best. You know, they really weren't able to get the puck in. They weren't able to get a lot of shots through. And it just it was like the power play of yesteryear that was so frustrating when earlier in in these, you know, 9-10 games, we've seen better movement on the power play. We've seen more threats on the power play. They just haven't been successful But now it's like, okay, this feels like it's a step backwards. And so you can't let that go for too long. But when you're looking at the big picture, it's really hard to know how how much to react to what's going on with the Nashville Predators as far as making system changes, lineup changes and everything. It's just this murky, murky time. And and you don't want to let it go too far one way or the other. But, you know, you're stuck wondering which one it is.
0: And I'm honestly wondering, Ann, you know, this might be a good thing for the Nashville Predators to get on the road. They're going to be on the road for the next two weeks. Uh, First, you know, the Western Canada road trip, and then they come back down to the States. They got Seattle coming up and a big one against Colorado. Uh, Next week, one that a lot of Preds fans have circled on their calendar for obvious reasons, but, you know, this may be a good opportunity for the team to kind of get away from home, get away from, you know, some of the sports talk radio, hopefully they're still listening to lockdown Preds, but the other ones, you know, some of the other criticism get away from all of that. Um, And just kind of focus on being on the road and playing hockey and not having to worry about kind of all these expectations and questions about what's going wrong. Uh, Maybe this is just a good reset button, but I'll tell you what, uh, if this road trip goes bad and the Preds come home in the middle of November and they're still kind of in this murky no man's land... I'd feel like at that point, then we start the conversation about, okay, what, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. Are the Preds in trouble for real?
1: And it's hard to realize that Nashville may end up there because if you look at the roster, if you look at this team on paper, this doesn't seem like a team that is going to stay in this kind of struggle. It seems like a team that's got enough talent and enough experience that they're going to be able to put some things together. I just think this five-game road trip. You know, you've got Edmonton. You also have Calgary. Who Calgary ain't nothing. Everybody was talking about poor Calgary. Uh, they're 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 doing okay. They're okay. Um, You know, and they're kind of looking like
0: uh, favorites out there in the Pacific Division right now. So,
1: yeah, you know, so there are some really challenging teams in these next five games. And, you know, at some point, Nashville and John Hines, they're going to have to sort out exactly what is going on and and how much they need to react to it, because you can overreact and or you can under, you know, undercorrect. And they're going to have to figure out which one's the right way to go pretty quickly because if you get to the end of November and the team is still struggling like this, I just don't know how the team's going to be able to dig themselves out to get where they need to be in time for playoffs.
0: Yeah, uh, talk about that balance as well. And I kind of want to talk about John Hines' role in, uh, in just a second. Uh, I want to look at the Edmonton Oilers a little bit more in depth first. Uh, and big surprise of the season – is Connor McDavid being really, really good at hockey? Uh, say that facetiously. Of course, Connor McDavid has always been really good at hockey. Eighteen points in just nine games this year, and Leon Draisaitl, who has been an absolute Preds killer uh, yes. since he's come to the league, not far behind at sixteen points in nine games, including twelve assists, and it feels like the key to a win is going to be figuring out a way to slow those two down, which is, you know, to me, hey, that's the laziest game preview I think <laughs> I can ever give you, is just figure out a way to stop McDavid and Dreisaitl. But that is, that's the that's the key for the Nashville Predators, because mm-hmm. those two guys have owned the Preds uh, in the past couple of years.
1: Yeah, and this is one of those cases where, Nashville faces off against teams with speed and sometimes it does not go well. And like you said, Leon Dreisaitl has owned the Nashville Predators in recent years. I mean, they just absolutely cannot manage him. And then of course you have his sidekick, Connor McDavid or vice versa. And I agree with you. I think it's completely the game, you know, it's the game preview. How are you going to beat this team? You are going to contain those two players because if Nashville can, can make them, you know, less of a factor, then I think that there are opportunities for them to do some things well enough to, to eke out a win. But man, you have got to, I mean, step one is handle those two. Step two is handle those two again. Step three, continue handling them. And, And it's, it, it's not a small task.
0: Yeah. And if it really also kind of depends on who's going to be in goal for Edmonton, we know Jack Campbell Mm -hmm. was kind of their big offseason acquisition, the big celebrated signing. He has not gone off to a good start, but Stuart Skinner uh, in the times that he's played is looking like a uh, legitimate star. 9.55 9.55 save percentage. It kind of feels like maybe they're leaning on Skinner a little bit more, uh, but you know we'll see if Campbell gets going. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see who Edmonton puts in goal because Campbell not doing so hot, but Skinner mm-hmm. looking solid so far. So uh, um, depending on who's in there, and that could uh, maybe open the door for some Preds offense to get going too.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that would be a really good thing because the Predators offense – They've got to they've got to start producing, especially that top line, friends.
0: Yeah. Uh, Depending on who's in, maybe maybe like a big 12 style shootout where there's just insane offense uh, by the end of the game. But we'll have to see. Um, Hey, what changes should the Nashville Predators make? We know a lot of people have talked about the lineups. Uh, you know, maybe fourth line and all that stuff, maybe who's in, who's out. That has been a big topic of conversation this year. John Hines has commented on that kind of, and I sort of take issue with some of the things that he said. We're going to get into that in just a second, plus what changes we want to see to the lineup. But first, want to mention today's show brought to you by Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package theft spike? Around the country. That's why your friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award winning security system so that more families like you can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced technology and greater peace of mind this holiday season. Here's why people love it. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use FastProtect technology exclusively from Safe to capture official evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get critical police response simply safe is whole home security with advanced sensors for every room window and door hd security cameras for inside and out smarter ways to detect motion that alert you when a threat is real and even hazard sensors that detect fires floods and other threats around your home the 24 7 professional monitoring service costs less than a dollar a day less than half now the price of ADTs traditional professionally installed system so with the top player to safely safe app you can stay in complete control of your system anytime anywhere you can arm or disarm via your phone unlock for a guest access your cameras adjust system settings pretty much anything you want to do with your system so don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system i would recommend Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. Simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, (coughs) Ann. We need to talk about lineups. Yeah. That has been kind of a stick in the craw of a lot of Predators fans. And look, we're kind of beating a dead horse sometimes, it feels like, when we talk about, you know, the fourth line. And we've talked about this before. Guys like Michael McCarron, Cole Smith, are not the reason the Predators are off to a slow start. You got to put a lot of blame on some of the other players that are higher up on that lineup card. But when it comes to the Predators and how they've handled some of the younger more skilled players that is what i think bugs me a little bit of course we've seen uh cody glass benched for the back half of the st louis game uh we also saw him you know a little bit better, but still had, you know, less ice time than some of his counterparts against Washington. Uh, we've seen Ellie Tolvanen be a healthy scratch the past two games. Phil Tomasino, of course, is in the minors. And it begs this question, Ann. it just seems to me, when you look at some of this stuff, that it seems like John Hines has a much longer leash for some of these grit bottom line guys than he does for younger skill guys like Phil Tomasino or like Ellie tovenin
1: Yeah. And, you know, this is an interesting thing. We were kind of talking about this, you know, off air earlier. And I think it's a really interesting observation and and I've been chewing on it, trying to figure out, like, what is that about? You know, what is that about? And I think part of it is the way that John Hines views putting the team together. I think he views it as lines. I don't think he views individual players. And I think it's easier to put together a line of, of kind of, like you said, like grit, checkers, you know, kind of um, – sort of tone setters with physicality than it is to connect up skill, young, skilled players well with each other. But I would agree with you that I think that there is a, you know, when you look at it, you do wonder, okay, are some of these skilled players finding it more difficult to find ice time and to find their spot on a roster with the system that John Hines has with, the way that that he constructs his team and the way that he views things by line identity more so than by individual player talent and how to capitalize on that. You know, that's, that's what I can come up with, but I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on this? Because I, this is such an interesting observation to me.
0: It's, it's noticeable. And it Mm -hmm. was noticeable last year too, where you know, the example from last year that everybody used was Luke Cunnin versus Ellie Tolvanen. Mm-hmm. Clearly, neither of them had good seasons. Like, let's let's get that fair. Ellie um, Tolvenin did do a lot of things really well, though, which was he played a very good good forechecking game. Uh, he just wasn't always, you know, in the right place to score. John Hines talked about that. But then you notice that Luke Cunningham was the only person that played 82 games. And somebody straight up asked him, like, towards the end of the year, it's like, hey, Luke Cunningham's played every game this season. And John Hines kind of gushed about, you know, he always brings his style. He always brings the way he plays, all that good stuff. Kind of overlooking the fact that Luke Cunningham made just as many mistakes and had just as many pretty bad lapses as Ellie Tolvin the only kind of difference you could think was that Ellie Tolvenin was kind of a younger, more offensively skilled, where Luke Cunningham was kind of more of a grindy type player. Mm-hmm. And you look at it this year and the big thing that everybody kind of talks about is Cody Glass. Uh, Cody Glass, of course, got bumped up uh, to the second line uh, against St. Louis. That was the big thing. He was on the second line against Washington, too. Um, and noticeably did not play. I think he had a grand total of one shift in the third period was taken off that line. Cole Smith was bumped up and John Hines was asked about that. And here's what John Hines had to say. And we'll get, we'll talk about what he had to say in a second.
1: I thought it was a little bit, you know, of a young player coming into the top six with glass and, and truthfully what happened, um, it's unfortunate. I think the first shift, you know, he got scored on and kind of lost his center. We took him off, put him right back out in an offensive zone face off. And I just, I, I just thought he never, he was playing like he didn't want to make a mistake. He, he looked a little bit like he was, he, the pressure of, of playing in that top six, uh, affected him a bit. And coming into the third period with a, with a three, two lead, we felt that there were some other players that were really having some good games. And it was a game, you know, like we talked about, you got to you got to find a way to to win that hockey game, and um, so we didn't give him a lot of ice time in the third.
0: Now John Hines went on to say that um, this was this was after this was before the Washington game. He said he talked to Glass afterwards, and they put him right back out there for the Washington game in the same spot, which is fine. Like I, I get it. Like I appreciate John Hines having the candid to be like, you know what, Cody Glass wasn't exactly working the way he was playing. We decided to take him off because some other players were having a good game. I totally get that, and I totally respect that. Like, I totally respect that in a vacuum. But as we look at this entire scope of this season, I think back to the guy that took Cody Glass's spot on that line, Cole Smith. And I rewind a couple of games before that. I can't remember if it was Philadelphia or Columbus. Maybe you know Anne. But Cole Smith had a horrid horrid game Mm
1: -hmm. this was
0: this was the game in which cole smith took not one but two of those bad like unnecessary retaliatory frustration penalties and was on the ice and had a breakdown that led to a goal what was john Hines' response he didn't bench cole smith He didn't take him off the ice. He didn't, like, cut his ice time and say, well, you know, he just doesn't have it tonight. You know, we want to put some other people and give some more people on the ice time that were playing good. Cole Smith got bumped up the lineup the next game. He was on the herd line. Remember, this was when Yakov Trennan got moved up to be on that second line. Cole Smith got moved up. And, again, like – Against St. Louis, Cole Smith had a very, very good game. So credit for that. Mm-hmm. Credit for him having, you know, the chance to go out and kind of redeem himself. But my question, Ann, why didn't Cody Glass have that same kind of go out and redeem yourself against St. Louis? Why has, uh, why Phil Tomasino after, you know, one rough preseason outing followed by a so-so preseason outing? Why didn't he get a chance during the regular season to go out and redeem himself after a 32 point season last year? Why has Ellie Tolvenin been healthy scratch the last two games when really it seems like his only, uh, his only crime was being on a line that didn't produce. So why are these players and getting sort of a short leash? Like, okay, you know, after you know turnover first period or you know it's kind of slow coming out of the second period you don't have it tonight you're sitting on the bench but when it comes to somebody like cole smith or michael mccarron or you know zach sanford why is it when they make a mistake or they don't have it or they're not contributing why is it that they seem to be getting more of a chance to go out and play and turn their play around
1: yeah, I think that's a. I think it's a fair question. I mean, I can only, and I will say this, in in, in, just to reiterate what you said, I appreciate the transparency that John Hines has about his lineup decisions, which I think goes above and beyond. Maybe well, it's definitely above and beyond what much most coaches do. But I think that that's a fair question, and I try to figure out what the answer is, and I wonder if it's that you. You still know what you're going to get when you put Michael McCarron and Cole Smith and Zach Sanford out on the ice. And I don't mean that in any sort of a derogatory way. No. You know, but I feel like their style of play, and that's what I'm addressing, their style of play is a little bit more, for lack of a better term, it's a little bit more YOLO. Where they can go out, you know, John Hines talked in the preseason, he would say to the team, you need to play smart, not safe. And I think it's easier to reset after a bad game when your style of play is more checker, physical, YOLO kind of style of play than it is to reset when you have a more skilled style of play, like like somebody like Cody Glass or like Ellie Tolvanen. Although I will say the Ellie Tolvanen one I do struggle with because I think you have a player that really is a great combination of both. You know, he can play a great forechecking, physical puck battle game but he also is a highly skilled player. So so that one I struggle with. But I really wonder, you know, to me, as I try to reason it out, is maybe the reset that you need is just easier to come by when you play the style of game that Cole Smith plays as opposed to the style of game that somebody like Cody Glass plays. I don't, but that's just me speculating. Sure. I think it's a fair question. I think it's a fair yeah. question. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, sure. And it's like, look, you probably expect less from those guys than than you would like, you know, somebody who's playing on your top line. And I get that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it just seems like let me pose this question. And who do you think is the better player with the higher ceiling, Cody Glass or Michael McCarron?
1: I'm going to answer that in just a second. <laughs> I think we should. I mean, I think I think there's a whole conversation that we need to push in on and it, and it might get uncomfortable, but I, I think this these are valid conversations to have and we're going to continue this one in just a second, but first, do wanna thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen today. Now make your second listen game to game NHL. Every moment, every top performance, every result across the league, Locked On Game to Game covers you for analysis from local experts that only locked on can deliver you can follow game to game locked on nhl um, at locked on nhl it's available anywhere you get your podcast you can also check it out on youtube and uh check out game to game after this yeah okay so i think this is a fair question and i'm gonna pose it right back to you like what <laughs>
0: What, I mean, you, did, no, that was did you such like how a, I did that? Yeah. Oh, no, okay. Okay. That's, that's a, it's a rhetorical question. Who has the higher yeah. ceiling? Cody Glass or Michael McCarron? Cody Glass. Right. Who has the higher ceiling? Ellie Tolvenin or Cole Smith? Ellie Tolvenin, I think,
1: right? I think Ellie Tovenin but. But you have. But here's the other thing.
0: Michael, mm-hmm. um, not Michael McCarron. Uh, Zach Sanford or Phil Tomasino?
1: I mean, I would say Phil Tomasino, but I think you have to be careful when you're saying higher ceiling because it depends. Here's the thing. It depends on what your team needs from you. You may have a really high ceiling and it may not be what they're looking for.
0: But as that's that's the million-dollar question here, Anne. Yeah. Is the way John Hines has his system set up, are the Preds getting what they need? I... Th-
1: Here, I think it's very difficult to say yes to that, especially right now, especially when what you would want to see from Phil Tomasino, from Cody Glass, from Ellie Tolvanen, are things that the top line of the Nashville Predators should be doing and aren't and aren't. So I think that's,
0: but that's that's not the question. We've established that the top lines are not Always necessarily doing what they want to, though they, you know, Washington game aside, they have turned they have turned the corner a little bit. Like they're starting to kind of they're find their room a bit. they're not where they need to be, but they're they're starting to turn it up a little mm-hmm. bit. But that's not the question. Like we've established that. Do you think the Predators would be more of a contender with basically a second checking line, or? do you need to reevaluate some things and get some more offensive depth in that lineup? And because here's why I asked, we talk about John Hines liking the identity of lines where it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. a depth chart of players. It's, he wants his first line to play a certain way. He wants his second Mm -hmm. line to play a certain way. Same with third and fourth. And he puts people that he thinks will play that certain way, that identity. That is why we have somebody like Cody Glass or Ellie Tolman that can go from second line to healthy scratch because they may not, they may not be where they need to be in the second line, but he's like, well, they're not going to contribute what I want on the fourth line. So let's just healthy scratch them. And I get that philosophy, but you're taking a pretty decent player off the ice in favor of, more grit and look we've talked about this you have the herd line it's not Mm -hmm. like you're a soft team like you have tanner janeau who is a little wrecking ball of a human who scored 20 plus goals last year like that's not nothing that is an identity line right there colton sissons right next to him one of the best two-way forwards in you know the central division right now very underrated especially in the defensive end uh if the selkie trophy was actually he for best <laughs> defensive forward and not just who is the highest goal scorer who happens to take some penalty killing minutes colton Sisson should probably be in that conversation for actual best defensive forward uh and then you have yakov Trennan, a 17 goal scorer who okay. also basically is a bull in a china shop where he just ruins anybody who's on the ice with him that's a good identity line that can also go out and do what you need. So it's not like you don't have this super aggressive line that can go out there and make things difficult for the other team. You have that. So why are you so dead set on the fourth line, basically being a Kmart version of the herd line? If you're John Hines, it feels like you have to kind of let go of this notion that the fourth line has to be a fourth line. You have Mm -hmm. to kind of reimagine your laps. In fact, and just do this. Just take away the numbers off the lines. Yeah, Like don't be like, this has to be the third line. They have to get the third line minutes, or this has to be this line or whatever. Just put four good lines together. And when I look at last year, you know, a line that played together for fourth line minutes, but looked really good together, was Ellie Tolvanen, who, as we mentioned, is struggling to find his place in the lineup. Cody Glass, who has kind of had an up and down start to the year. And all the way in Milwaukee, Phil Tomasino, who after one and a half preseason games, the Preds decided, even though he scored 32 points with bad line mates last year, as a twenty year old, somehow decided now he's not ready for full-time NHL play. Why don't you put those three together and have another scoring line? Isn't that what Colorado did? Didn't they have three lines that were capable of going out playing fast and scoring? What do, we talked about this in at the start of the show. When we talked about the Edmonton Oilers, what did you say? The Preds have problems playing against fast teams. Yes. Those are three pretty fast players that Mm -hmm. can match up. Is it like am I I overlooking something obvious here? Or is or is this just stubbornness?
1: I don't know that it is necessarily stubbornness, but I think that this is a valid conversation to kind of push in on and and for me it's not even necessarily the the result of it being immediate that are so concerning although I think we could say if it doesn't get better it's concerning for me the concern comes when you look down the road a little ways if Ellie Tolvenin is a healthy scratch with some consistency Ellie tolvenin is not going to be with this franchise. If Phil Tomasino or Cody Glass are deemed not a good fit, you're going to lose those guys from this franchise. And that's where I think you have to have a moment and go, you know what, the Nashville Predators are better even now. And they're certainly going to be better a year, two years from now with those kind of players, that age, that skill set on the roster. And that for me is where the real concern lies, because if you continue to go all in on this different, you know, heavy checking, physical, you know, fourth line kind of thing that we're seeing now, at some point you are going to sacrifice the players that you could be putting together on a line. So I I get it. I get the philosophy of it. I think that's very much John Hines' style of, of play that he wants to see from his team. What concerns me the most is what this franchise may end up sacrificing to continue to stick with it. Mm-hmm. And that is concerning. Yeah. And again,
0: like this isn't about – Cole Smith. this isn't about mccarran no give them credit to how they played because they've each had some pretty good games this year same with zach sanford um and like we said they're certainly not the problem it just seems like it's like leaving it's like leaving players on your fantasy bench Mm -hmm. that are like starters for their teams you know or it's like it just seems like there's some unlocked potential of stuff that we're not trying because we can't get over this mindset of this is what the lines have to look like mm-hmm. that's that's the point I'm getting at. I mean it yeah. just seems like especially if the predators get through this road trip and things don't work out it, it definitely it, it just seems like something's got to change and I think that starts with, the mindset of John Hines for him to be willing. It's like, you know what? I've got to approach this a little bit differently. I've got to give some of these guys some chances.
1: Yeah. And I think it will be very interesting to see if that happens, if things don't turn around. I And also if things do turn around still, what do you do with those players? I mean, you're still, yeah, you know, it's, it's a very, interesting lineup situation and it's i think it's something that you know as predators you know fans everybody is definitely keeping their eye on so we'll see how this plays out but it starts tomorrow night against edmonton
0: yeah tonight against edmonton
1: thank you it's all a blur
0: (laughs) it is it's it's been a week it's been a week folks yeah against edmonton tonight Mm -hmm. uh it is a eight Mm -hmm. o'clock
1: eight o'clock
0: Yes, 8 o'clock, eight o'clock okay. Central. Making sure that was right on the calendar. Uh, 8 o'clock puck drop. And, of course, we will have some post game for you tomorrow. Preds have Calgary later in the week, too. So these are two very important games. So make sure you are tuned in to Locked on Predators every step of the way. You can find us on any podcast platform, Spotify, Apple any of that, Stitcher, just name a podcast platform. Chances are we're on there. Uh, Or if you're just sitting at your desk, bored at work, we're also on YouTube. Search us, Locked on Predators. Be sure to subscribe and hit that bell notification so you will always know when we have new episodes for you. And where can people find your work?
1: You can find my work at insidethepreds.com and you can find me on Twitter at Ann K underscore Mama on Ice.
0: You can find me at on 4 Follow me on Twitter, underscore NSMorgan. And I uh, forgot to mention, just follow the show on Twitter as well, L o underscore Predators. That's going to do it for us on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. We'll be back with all new episode tomorrow, recapping Preds Oilers. See you then.